So the passage I'm looking at today is James chapter 4 and the first part of verse 8. And I've got a PowerPoint clicker today. So I'll see if I can bring that up on the screen. And if you're tuning out, you're going to get a laser pointer right in the eyeball. Okay, here we go. So let's see if this works. Oh, Marcus, help me. Okay, we'll see how we go. All right. So it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So there's many ways that we can draw near to God, but today the one way that I want to spend this message focusing on is the discipline of drawing near to God through spending time with Him slash doing our quiet time. Drawing near to Him through spending time with Him slash doing our quiet time, as we Christians like to call it. And doing our quiet time with, each, with, like, with God each day is really important because it's the only way that we can find the strength and the energy to get through the day and live for God. But despite its importance, there's two hurdles, if you'd like to call them that, that everybody needs to be able to overcome in order to develop this daily discipline of spending time with God, which is so important. And these two hurdles are... The hurdle of procrastination and the hurdle of distraction. Procrastination stops us from spending time with God. It's like the alarm clock goes off and you're like, yeah, I think I'll stay in bed. I'll do it later. But then later turns into maybe that evening, but you never get around to that. And then later can also turn into tomorrow and tomorrow into next week and then into next month. And if you're not careful, into next year and never and so on. Whereas distraction isn't about stopping you from spending time with God, it's more about what's happening when you're spending time with God, or at least trying to. It's falling asleep while you're praying or reading your Bible, because you thought that you could do your quiet time in bed, on your back, with the lights off. It's suddenly remembering while you're praying someone that you forgot to email, then getting so engrossed in the email that you never get around to finishing off that scripture you were reading or the prayer you were praying. It's starting to pray and then going, gee, it's just a bit too quiet. I need to, you know, get some worship music on. So you turn on YouTube to find Hillsong's latest worship music. And then as you go to click on this new worship track, you see a video just underneath it, which looks interesting. You click on that video, then an hour later, you haven't done your quiet time. And it's also just, it's also just never getting into gear. Like sometimes when I pray or I read my Bible, if I'm tired, if I'm not in the mood, if, if my brain's a bit foggy, I just find like it's really hard to, to break through and that you can kind of go through the motions where you're, you're there physically but your mind and your heart is somewhere else altogether. And has anyone ever tried this? Has anyone here ever tried to do their quiet time, like either reading your Bible or, or praying while the TV is on? It's impossible. The TV always wins. And I thought just to kind of warm us up today, I found this really funny, well, I find it funny anyway, this funny clip online of a guy that's trying to do his quiet time while the TV is on. So let's uh, have a look at this video and you see what you think. Anyway, I thought it was funny. So anytime we go to spend time with God, there's two hurdles that we have to overcome. There's there's the hurdle of procrastination, which stops us from starting, and then there's the hurdle of distraction, which can stop us in our tracks and just prevent us from getting into gear. But the point I want to make today is that through self-discipline, we can overcome those hurdles and spend consistent, quality time with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says, 
don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person so it says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. And, you know, the message I get from this scripture is that I should be as disciplined in my spiritual life as an athlete is in their physical life. I should be as disciplined in my spiritual life as an athlete is in their physical life. The athlete happily gives up so much just for a little shot at winning a prize that is temporary and will fade away. They're disciplined, they're driven, they're committed, they give 100% in their training and in their preparation with the hope of one day being able to perform when it counts and get that prize, whatever it is. And so if the athlete will go to those sort of lengths for that prize, then how much more should we go to the same lengths to win a prize that's even greater and will last forever? And, you know, when Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he would have no doubt had in his mind athletes of his time and era who were the epitome of the discipline that he wanted the Corinthian church to apply to their own lives because things weren't going well. They were inconsistent. They were all over the place. And as the Corinthians read Paul's words, they no doubt would have had famous, inspiring, successful athletes come into their mind. And that's what happened to me. As I, as I read these words about a month ago, I immediately started to think of this famous Australian athlete. And I think with the PowerPoint stuff up, you've already seen who that is, so I won't kind of try and do the surprise. But let's bring it up onto screen. Do you remember this guy? Do you know who he is? Stephen Bradbury. 2002 at the Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City, the home of the Mormons. Everyone else was in last pl everyone else is doing this race and then just before the finish line they all fall over and Stephen Bradbury he's got this look of shock on his face he has no idea what's happened he's gone from last place to first place like that and in the process he gets a gold medal and it's funny you may have said to a friend or you may they may have even said it to you to do a Bradbury have you ever heard that to do a Bradbury it's a real saying, and it's actually now in our dictionary in Australia, to do a Bradbury. I haven't heard someone say to do a Freeman or to do something like any other Olympic athlete, but people legitimately say to do a Bradbury, and the meaning of that is to do something to get like great success without trying, to triumph when you don't deserve it. But the irony of the saying is that it's the exact opposite of who this guy is and what he accomplished on that day, and uh, a few years ago, an amazing video clip, it's a short one, was made and it just shows Stephen Bradbury narrating what he went through and the years of preparation that went in beforehand. So let's have a look. Awesome. How cool is that, eh? So a very, a very simple definition of self-discipline is, is doing what you know you should do even when you don't feel like it. Doing what you know you should do even when you don't feel like it. And in the 12 years of training and preparation that Stephen Bradbury went through, went through before that race, he could have given up, he could have cheated on his diet, he could have given 80% instead of 100% in a race, 
He could have decided to quit when he nearly died twice, (laughs) but he never did any of those things. He never slept in. He remained 100% committed because, you know what, he, he is a true athlete. That's, that's the, the discipline and the spirit of the athlete. They don't do whatever they feel like it. They do what they know they should do, even when they don't feel like it. When he didn't feel like training, he did it anyway. When he was feeling low, angry, upset, he still remained committed. And if he was able to be that disciplined for the sake of his sport, then imagine if we could be just as disciplined as he was for the sake of Christ. Imagine if we could be as disciplined as he was in his physical life in our own spiritual life. But of course, as we try and do that, as we try and make changes in our own spiritual life, and even as we try and get up and spend time with God each day, we're going to run into challenges and obstacles along the way, just like any athlete would do. And then the question is, what are we going to do about it? Are we just going to let our feelings dictate what we do, or are we going to rise above that? And you know, a lot of the time when I go to spend time with God, I'm not going in like, oh man, I just cannot wait to do this. It's sometimes it's like everything within me is saying, nah, don't do it. Or do it tomorrow, or do it later, or don't do it at all. But there is a, a scripture that I really stand on. It's, it's my, my favorite scripture, and it drives and encourages me to keep going. And, and let's have a look at it. It's Romans 8, 12 to 13. It says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. And the good news is that I don't have to do whatever my sinful nature urges me to do. Because it's not my boss. I'm not obligated to do what it urges me to do. I don't have to be the victim of my own impulses and my own desires. And neither do you. Just because I feel like staying in bed or watching TV or doing anything else in the day instead of spending time with God, just because I feel that doesn't mean I need to act on that and obey that. We live in a world that tells you that if you feel something, then hey, you just got to follow it because it's truth. But this is saying just because you feel something, you don't have to do it. We don't have to live underneath and in submission to our feelings and our, de- our desires. And that's what I see Stephen, Stephen Bradbury doing, and that's the kind of discipline that Paul in this, this passage in Corinthians and also in Romans is calling us to embody and calling us to embrace. And so as I was you know, doing this message, I was just thinking about where different people might be today in regards to their quiet time. How are you going with your quiet time with God? Is it something that every time, like you always, you're kind of like, today you're thinking, yeah, look, I didn't spend time with God, but I'm going to do it tomorrow. And then it's always, I'm going to do it tomorrow, but you never get around to it. Are you finding that you're a bit inconsistent with it, that it's a bit all over the place? Are you finding that there's kind of like you want it to be more effective, but you've just struggled to make that change? About five to six weeks ago, when I read that, that verse in Hebrews, um, sorry, in 1 Corinthians about the discipline of the athlete, and then Stephen Bradbury came into my mind, I just decided, you know what, 
I'm sick of just being inconsistent. I want to have a crack and see if I can actually, if I can actually do this. And I have. It's, it's actually been really surprising that you can actually live above your feelings and your urges and you don't actually have to always procrastinate or, or get thrown off, that God has given us the capacity to tell our feelings and desires what they're going to do. And so here are three principles for establishing and maintaining a daily disciplined quiet time that I've been working on and I think you may find these helpful. They're not rules, but they're principles. And these are three principles. A consistent time, a consistent place, and a consistent plan. So stick to a consistent time, stick to a consistent place, stick to a consistent plan. And just the disclaimer here is, look, I know that if you're a mom and you've got like a newborn child, or if you're a you're going to work really early in the morning, that this is going to be difficult for some people, which is why these are principles rather than rules. But if you really want to make this work, you can. So the benefit of being consistent with the time you choose, the place you go and the plan that you use, is that spending time with God can over time become something that is simple and it's easy to do every day. Because you take all the dilemmas out of having to spend time with him. If you're every day having to make all sorts of decisions about when you're going to do it, where you're going to do it, how you're going to do it, then it's going to give you potentially an excuse to just say, ah, this is too hard. I'll just, I'll just do it some other time. If your whole approach is just all over the place, it just makes spending time with him each day not impossible but much harder. But if you can aim for a consistent approach, then it's sustainable and it's more likely to last. So I'll just tell you how these principles at the moment are working for me and maybe you, this might help you to figure out how they could work for you. So I, I'm not a, I've just found that uh, I don't really enjoy doing my quiet time in the afternoon or the evening. Something can always come up, I just have lo- less energy at that time. And so I've just decided that the morning is best for me, but also at the same time, the morning's tricky because my young son, Ezra, he's getting up from 5.45 to 6.15 a.m. And I need to be out the door on the way to work from 6.30. So I just thought, all right, see if I can do it. The only time that I can make it work is from 5 a.m. And I don't want to be doing a quiet time here like I used to do it on the bus on the way to work and then the train on the way to work and then at lunch break, it was just all over the place. So what I've been doing is I've been getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning and just doing it in one consolidated block of time. And uh, no one's calling me, no one's messaging me at that time. I go outside to pray, no one's watching me talk to myself, thinking I'm crazy, it's pitch black outside and it's just, it's just working for me. I, and then the, this is the thing, I don't need to be getting up at 5 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday, but then if I change my time on Saturday and Sunday, I've got to figure out when else I'm going to do it on, on a Saturday and Sunday, and that just becomes too hard. So what I'm finding is the same time every day, rain, hail or shine, that's the way to go. Now in terms of a consistent place, I've always found it hard to go into a room and pray. So I prefer to go outside and walk on days, uh, except for today. I don't want to get struck by lightning because I've got to preach. But 
like, you know, so I'm just walking around 5 o'clock in the morning. It's pitch black. You know, people have no idea what I'm doing. No one's, no one's up at that time. And it's just great. So then I, I come home after a bit of time and I've been praying and then I feel refreshed. Then I sit down and then I read my Bible. Then 5.45, 6 o'clock, Ezra wakes up and that's it. But just a consistent time, a consistent place. So I'm never, have to wondering, I'm never having to wonder where am I going to do this. And then a consistent plan has been really helpful for me because my preference has always been to read the Bible but I've always found it much harder to pray. And I think people will typically lean to one more than the, more than the other, but I think that it's, it's really important if we can have a balance of both in our lives. So the fact that I've predetermined what my plan is means that in the morning I go and I do prayer first, then I come back and I read the Bible next. And that is, is, that's, that's as simple as it is. And, and so I want to lay down a challenge for you today. I want to encourage everyone here, if you are feeling like you're a bit inconsistent with the time that you're spending with God, that it's not as effective as you would like it to be, I want to encourage you to do two things. Take today to determine what, what a plan is that could work for you. So figure out what is a consistent time, a consistent place, and a consistent plan that I can use. And then starting from tomorrow, begin to implement that plan. What's quite amazing is it only takes 66 days to form a habit, either a positive habit or a negative habit. So if your body at 10 o'clock in the morning is craving coffee, then it's taken you a period of time to condition your body to want that coffee. In the morning, if you wanted to get up in the morning and do your quiet time, your body is going to say, no way, I don't want to get up at that time. But you can actually train it to do what it needs to do. You can actually rise above your feelings. And the longer you go, the easier it becomes. So my challenge is to you, pick a time, pick a place, pick a plan, stick to it consistently, aim for 66 days, and then you'll just find that you'll blow past it. And then it will just become like this second nature, lifelong habit where it's like this automated habit. It's as natural and as second nature to you as other habits are in your life. And that's, that's my prayer for you today. That's my hope for you today. That we don't just kind of come along to church and get crumbs here at church and put everything into the message, hoping that you're just going to get fed here, but you're not actually spending time with God in the rest of your life, that's just, too, that's just too hard. So if we can actually train ourselves to do what we need to do, you'll find that life is much better and that you'll enjoy the blessings that come from actually spending time with God each day.